Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Kendra Petroni and I'm very excited to have Mary McManus in studio with us this morning. Mary contracted paralytic polio at five years old but managed to run the 2009 Boston Marathon at the age of 55 plus when she was diagnosed with post-polio syndrome in December of 2006, she decided she was not going to take the diagnosis sitting down. She has a new book called The Adventures of Runner Girl 1953 that will deliver powerful messages of courage, faith, resilience, and hope for women to be empowered when it comes to their medical care. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Good morning, Kendra. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I have so many questions for you, but <laughs> I mean, I guess we're going to start at the beginning. So. Being diagnosed with paralytic polio at five years old, I mean, I can't remember what it was like to be five, but I'm sure that must have been very hard. Do you remember the day that you were actually diagnosed? I do. I I collapsed in kindergarten class. Oh, my God. And there was absolutely no warning. I was dancing around the gym. I felt free as a bird. I was with my little classmates, and I can still picture the gym. Wow. And I just dropped to the ground without any warning. And I don't remember getting home. I was paralyzed from the neck down. Wow. And I I have no recollection of how I got from school to home, but I do remember that they did a spinal tap in my home, and it turned out to be paralytic polio. And I was going to ask you, what is paralytic polio for people that aren't, aren't aware? Well, the good news is, is that a lot of people aren't aware because of the vaccine. Right. I did have five of the vaccines. However, I was playing with my friend whose mother wasn't vaccinated, and she contracted polio the same day I did. Wow. And basically what it is, it attacks the central nervous system. So it invades the spinal cord and it disrupts the communication from the nerves to the muscles. That's amazing. You said you had five of the vaccines? I did. That's unbelievable that you still you still got it. That's that's almost confusing to me. I can't even imagine that. With no warning, no feeling before, nothing. I mean, days leading up to it, you you felt fine. You played like any other normal five-year-old kid, and then just one day, bam. Bam. That was it. And that's the way oh it strikes. God. Wow. And how long were you in a wheelchair from that point on? I, I was never in a wheelchair. I was in a oh. leg brace. Oh. I, was, I was very fortunate. I think having five vaccines actually Maybe saved me. You. Yeah. Um, because my friend's mom had a worse case. Wow. But... Um, I was paralyzed, and then I was able to regain some of my movement, which is typical with polio. And then I uh, went to see a physiatrist and a physical therapist. So I was in a leg brace for three years. I was reading a quote from one of your poems called Running the Race, and I want to just read a quote from it. I always wore those special shoes, the kids they poked and teased. With no support and much abuse, with childhood, I wasn't pleased. And this got me thinking, and um, my I have three children. I have a daughter and two sons, and my two sons are both autistic. And while they don't have any of that, that physical sort of... Um, you know, limits and the, the obvious visible limits yes. that you had, you know, it's still very hard. And they're five and six years old. And it's, mm. I worry about every day, you know, other kids and how it's perceived and how they're treated and how they felt. So I can't imagine you going through what you went through in kindergarten 
And I'm sure there were a lot of memories you had that were pretty tough. Was there anything that stood out that was positive during that time? I mean, anything or anyone that maybe reached out or did anything that was kind? My physical therapist, Miss Holly, who I actually mentioned in the poem, uh, she was absolutely amazing. And she, the poetry actually started thanks to her because she read Dr. Seuss to me huh. before every physical therapy session. She was the kindest woman. She was one of my earth angels. Wow. And she was such a blessing in my life because not only was I experiencing the bullying at school, right. but my dad became alcoholic. My mother was addicted to prescription pain medication. So oh I was kind of getting it on all sides, Kendra. But there were these earth angels. And right. then also when I was paralyzed, I had a vision of a being. And I, it was an out-of-body experience, and I met my guardian angel. And I came back to my body. I, I chose life. Wow. What is that? I mean, that's, that's a whole other topic that I'm, I, <laughs> I have so many questions for you. I mean, and this is all when you're five years old. I mean, at, Yes. And you said this was about three years that you, you were in. Five to eight, yes. Oh, wow. And then what was the moment when you finally surpassed that when you the braces came off what what point were you at in your life when that happened and how did that feel well I never was able to surpass it because of the abuse at home so it was extremely challenging um, but I did harness my intellectual prowess and I just became the the brightest kid in terms of harnessing my intellect mm. um, you also asked about bright spots. And mm -hmm. I had another earth angel whose name is Joe Stetz. And he's an angel now. He actually passed on. But oh. he was my camp counselor when I was 11 years old. And my physiatrist, my rehab doctor, mm -hmm. had suggested that I go to camp. Well, the first camp I went to was a total disaster because I couldn't keep up. And kids sure. were, of course, unfortunately cruel, Kendra. Yep. But the next camp I went to, even though it wasn't called all-inclusive, the counselors were amazing, and the kids were amazing. There was this culture of acceptance, right. and it was, oh, it was amazing. Isn't it unbelievable when you think you're in this dark hole and that you're never going to get out? I mean, for me, it was thinking that for my children, mm -hmm. and then you find it's almost like this imaginary place or this magical island that you didn't know existed, and that's what I imagine it to be like for you, that you find the people that, where have you been all this time? The people that actually care and yes. treat you in a way that makes you feel like, well, why wasn't always like this? Why mm -hmm. wasn't it always this way? And they reminded me that I'm a that I'm a child of God, that I deserve to be treated well. Right. And right. Joe actually told me that I needed to compete in the butterfly. Now, as... I don't know if you're a swimmer, but... Uh, no, but I know what the butterfly is, and I can't do it. So I'm well aware. Um, and I said, you've got to be crazy. I said, Joe, you know my history of polio, and I, right. I can't do it. And he said, I'm going to train you. He wow. was, in, he was um, poised to be an Olympian. He actually chose to go into medicine instead, wow. and he worked right up here at St. Elizabeth's Hospital, which is a whole other story of synchronicity that was incredible. But Joe was one of my earth angels, and so he trained me, and I came in third, 
there were only three kids racing, and that's why he needed me to be in the race. And wow. he, it's so funny to remember it, and he took my hand as I got out of the pool, helped me out of the pool after I raced, and um, I was on the podium for the end of Summer Olympics. That's, that's incredible. If you're just waking up and tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7, and we've been chatting with Mary McManus, a woman who went from being diagnosed with post-polio syndrome in 2006 to the finish line of the 2009 Boston Marathon. She has harnessed the power of her mind to heal her body, feverishly writing poetry in which she imagined herself healthy, whole, and free. Let's get back to our conversation. So as I mentioned, in 2006, you were diagnosed with post-polio syndrome. What is that? <laughs> I mean, you I just, I cannot believe all the things that you have had to deal with and overcome. Yes. I mean, what what is that? Can you explain? Well, basically, the way that the medical establishment understands it is that because of having contracted polio and having all the neuromuscular mm-hmm. compromises as a result of that, um, the body, as you age, starts shutting down at an accelerated rate. So basically, my limb from the polio returned. I had difficulty swallowing. I had difficulty breathing, talking. It was coming on for about 10 years, but I soldiered on through my job as a VA social worker. And then finally, I said, oh, my God, I have to do something. And I got still, and I Googled post-polio syndrome. I had heard about it. And so I went to the Spalding Rehab Clinic in Framingham, and I had to undergo extensive testing, Kendra, because it's a rule-out diagnosis, which means that they have to make sure that there's nothing else going on that explains the fatigue, the pain, the tremors, Mm -hmm. all the rest of it. You must have been like... Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I got through, you know, a very traumatic experience and and diagnosis as a kindergartner, and now I've lasted all this time, and now this. I mean, you must have, but you seem very positive, and I want to read another quote from you. It says, and, and there are so many quotes that you have here. I mean, your your poetry is fantastic, and I I recommend people just using them and reading them and having them as your almost life mantras because they're fantastic. This one says, quote, using wheelchair to travel set limits on what I could do, resulted in joy to realize I could live anew, celebrated my body, creaks, groans, and need for a brace, while in my mind I focused on winning a 10K race. (laughs) You astonish me. Running became this light in your life amidst all of these issues, physically, mentally, anything that you're going through, what made you turn to running as sort of this way to fight back? I didn't plan on it. It wasn't something that was obviously in my conscious mind. I was in a leg brace. I was told, you're going to spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair right, right. and adapt your house or move to a ranch, et cetera, change et cetera, everything. change yep. everything, quit my job, which I did do as because that was important for my healing. Well, to focus, but, right. Um, but I wrote this poem. It it poured out of me. It was in a cold, dark day in February of 2007. And I said, oh, my God, what am I going to do with my life, my career? I certainly can't continue to have the stress of mm-hmm. working as a social worker at the VA. I need to make lifestyle changes. Right. And I was very, very, very depressed. 
and I sat down at my dining yeah mm-hmm. I sat down at my dining room table and I said okay there's got to be a way out of this and I wrote this poem and I said running 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 me running why am I I got really curious the poetry started igniting this sense that I could heal, that there was another life waiting for me, but I didn't know what it was. And then I started visualizing myself dancing in the rain. I was free. I was unencumbered in my body. And it took me to this beautiful place where I literally felt no pain when I wrote this poetry. And then I went through outpatient therapy at Spalding, another angel that I met who did not subscribe to post-polio syndrome being a progressive neuromuscular disease. And she said, you can and you will get stronger. And I worked with her for six months, three times a week. Um, And she was absolutely incredible. And she helped me to connect mind with body very slowly and it was tortuous and painful. I was going to ask you what the pain, what it felt like, you know, physically. I mean, the fact that you were able to sort of get there mentally is amazing to me because a lot of people, even just the the act of you sitting down and writing and getting your, your thoughts and your feelings out on a piece of paper, sometimes people can't do that. They don't have the strength to do that. And the fact that you took that and you were thinking ahead, you were thinking positive ahead I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to just sit here and take this sitting down, basically, you know, no pun intended. But I mean, you you said, I, no, I'm not accepting. No. And I'm going to keep moving. I mean, that in itself is impressive and inspirational, I think. Absolutely. And it, it was miraculous. It was truly miraculous. And it was truly from the divine that this flowed through me and out of me and this whole process began. And I was discharged from outpatient rehab at Spalding on May 25th, uh, 2007, which was also the day that I took a leap of faith and left behind my award-winning career. Had no idea, you know, about anything, really. I said, I need to heal my life. But Kendra, I didn't know what that meant at the time. And then in October of 2007, as serendipity would have it, I met a personal trainer. And I met her through one of my vets who was a volunteer and we had become friends. She had worked with him in cardiac rehab at Boston Medical Center. Wow. And we were sitting in my living room and she was telling us that she had this personal training business, in-home personal training. Right. And she said, and I had started a greeting card business, New World Greeting Cards, original poetry for every occasion. (laughs) And she said, oh, thank you. I I mean, what you've done is incredible. And uh, thank you, Kendra. And she said, I belong to a networking group. It's called um, B&I. And while she's talking about you should really join, you can promote your greeting card business, I wasn't there at all, Kendra. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, personal training, personal training, right? personal training. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You must be crazy, Mary. You know how you have like the angel and the devil on your shoulders? Uh, Well, yes, yes. (laughs) And I said to her, Janine, do you think you could work with me? And I told her my story, and she used a Henry Ford quote whether you think you can or you think you can't, Mm. you're right. Mm -hmm. And so we started working together. I couldn't even pass the initial assessment. 
I couldn't get out of a chair on my own. Wow. I couldn't get off of the toilet seat without leaning on the counter. Right. So yeah. I was totally deconditioned. Six months later, I passed the fitness assessment. I'm out of my leg brace. I'm starting to feel like, wow, I'm healing. This right. is really cool. So we're setting new goals. And she says, well, what are your next goals, Mary? And I said, well, you know, I'd like to dance again. I took ballet before polio hit. And I want to go outside for a walk, right. you know, without my leg brace, without a cane. We take that, it for granted, right? Yes, yes. And I said, I, wanna f I just want to feel free in my body. And I want to diversify what I'm using to strength train and right. everything. So she gathers up her things, and she's got her hand on the doorknob, and I say, wait. And she said, what? I said, I have one more goal. And oh, she boy. turned around, <laughs> and she said, oh, okay, what is it? God only knows what she was thinking, but certainly not what came out of my mouth, which was, I want to run the Boston Marathon for Spalding Rehab, and I want to do it next year. Oh, that to me is a statement. I, she must have just stared at you like, well, um, okay, let's do it. I mean, the Boston Marathon is 26.2 miles, and I've never been diagnosed with polio. I mean, I, I've, fortunately, I've never had any issues physically. I can't even imagine running six miles in that, on that route. How in the world did you train for a 26.2-mile run? That, to me, is unbelievable. I'm still amazed at anybody that can do it, but mm. what you've overcome in your life to do that, how did you train for that? It started out, I was, it was something in my mind, in my heart, and in my soul. It certainly wasn't in my body. And the first time we went out, my heart rate went over 170, oh, just sure. jogging for one minute. And sure. little by little, we built up 30 minutes of continuous running. And so early on, Janine took us out for hill training, and I oh. thought, you must be. I said, no, Janine, I'm not ready for that. She said, we have to get you ready for that. She said, you're going to run a marathon, and it's not any marathon. She said, it's a big one, yeah. You know Heartbreak Hill. So she got me started on hill training very early, and I ran my first 5K race in June that year, and oh I God. discovered that, my God, this running community is like nothing else I've mm. ever known in my life. I tell people my story, and they were, oh, my God, this is so incredible. And I was, I was not aware of how incredible I was at the time. I was just on this mission, Kendra. And suddenly I'm getting all this love and support, and I was finishing dead last, and I was – had this image of me in gym class, you know, taunting, teasing, easy out, Alper, my maiden yeah. name and everything. And now I finished last in a race and people are cheering, cheering. and it was just this whole world. Right. So it was through rain, through... I was going to say, how often did you have to train? Was it every... Is it seven days a week, every day? I mean... Um, so we ran... We ran three to four to five days a week. Wow. Um, we were doing strength training. I had to give up the strength training as we added on the miles. Um, we did Jamaica Pond. We did um, anywhere that we could find a patch of dry ground because yeah. that was a pretty rough winter. And then I went out on the course. <laughs> uh, 
what is before you run the actual marathon? What is the last sort of day of training like? I mean, how many miles do you do when you're almost up to that point where it's getting close to the race? Is it almost the full 26 miles that you're that you're practicing? Because I've never run a marathon, so I have no <laughs> idea. I'm so fascinated by it. We did 22 miles. Wow. We did 22 miles on our last long run. It was 17 degrees out. Oh, what? I mean, do you layer? How do you do that? I, I just, <laughs> I can't imagine you doing that. And that is so awesome that you, you did it. You had an idea, you had a goal, and you pushed yourself and you did it. I can't imagine running in 17 degree weather, 22, 26 miles in 17 degree weather. I <laughs> it mean, was, again, it was harnessing the power of the mind. And you know, our minds are so powerful, Kendra. I visualized my way out of my situation. And I harnessed the power of the mind-body connection, and I wrote the poetry, and I meditated. And I, when I was out there in the cold, I imagined my legs just having warm lava, that the whole image of, of lava, just the energy moving. And I literally thought greater than my circumstances. And that's what every endurance runner has to do. Because if you focus on the pain, you're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. I want to ask you because Marathon Monday is tomorrow. So what advice do you have for runners who aren't in the elite category? Runners, anyone who's out there just trying to accomplish a personal goal like you did, what advice would you have to them if they're listening right now? I would tell them to take it mile by mile. Every mile takes you one step closer to the finish line. I would tell them to enjoy every moment and let the energy of the crowds just take you. There is nothing like the Boston Marathon, and I think especially because it's the anniversary of 4:15:13, there is going to be just oh, right. even more energy Absolutely. and emotion out there. And when you feel the pain... Think about something else. Think about what it's going to feel like when you cross that finish line. Imagine. Imagine getting to Heartbreak Hill. Imagine getting to Cleveland Circle. I would recommend um, maybe this evening people look at the course and visualize your race. Visualize your best race ever. Visualize every single moment that you're just filled with the the joy of what you're doing. Imagine Mary's journey and the fact that you were able to do this. And if mm -hmm. you're thinking about the rain and thinking about the cold or however it's going to be, you know, during the, the race on Marathon Monday, remember what this woman sitting here with me had to go through. And she did it. She did it with a smile. She ran the 26.2 miles and came out a champion. How long what was your finishing time? Seven hours and 49 minutes. That's we actually really good. That's really good. I would. It would be three days. <laughs> they would still be looking for me on the course. Out I would never. Course. That would take me forever. I think anybody listening now knows that overcoming any kind of a battle, whether it's mentally or physically, is very hard. And a lot of people can't do it. You have done it threefold. I mean, you have over you've overcome things. You have kept a positive attitude. And you are an absolute inspiration for not just women, I mean everybody out there. So thank you for really sharing your story. And I want to also plug your, your book again, The Adventures of Runner Girl, 1953. You can find it on Amazon online and also in store at Paper Fiesta. 
It's in Natick on the mile marker 10 along the Boston Marathon route. So if you want to pick it up, The Adventures of Runner Girl, 1953. You can also go to uh, Mary's website. It's Mary McManus, M-A-R-Y-M-C-M-A-N-U-S.com. Yes. And get all the info about Mary's story, her books. You have been a pleasure to talk with. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much, Kendra. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you to Mary McManus for being in the spotlight today on Exceptional Women. We talk to celebrities and CEOs, but we're also interested in your neighbors, coworkers, and friends who are quietly making an impact in their communities. Email us if you know someone you'd like to suggest. We'd love to hear from you, and be sure to join us every Sunday morning at 7.30 for another edition of Exceptional Women. Thanks for listening, and have a great day, everyone.